Late fake. Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. Welcome to College Gridiron. This is uh, my first time on College Gridiron. I'm Chris Carino, joined by Maddie Bamonte and Will Jang. Maddie also making her College Gridiron debut as well. And before we get into all the hoopla, the carnival that is college football, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Like you said, it's my first time on here. It's very exciting. A lot has been going on. I just got done talking college football on one-on-one last week, and there was a lot to cover. So I'm very excited to keep it going this week. Well. It's not my first time. I'm like the only one who's. <laughs> it's not their first time, but it's my first time working with. I think both of you, mm-hmm. at least on air. So, I'm really excited. I watched basically all the games that we're going to talk about. So, I'm ready to go. Yeah, uh, Tucker Austin, our producer, also his first time on the show, I believe. Um, so yeah, kind of a new crew here, um, but the same passion that you always come to expect with College Gridiron. And uh, I would kind of like to start our conversation. Biggest story on the field and off the field. The Michigan Wolverines. Michigan Wolverines this weekend amidst all their drama, hoopla, court cases, and hearings for their coach John Harbaugh. They go out to Happy Valley, get a top 10 win on the road. Very impressive stuff. Coach Harbaugh calls Michigan America's team after the game. Just general thoughts on this kind of Michigan team and more on the field, how they played this weekend. You know, I was really impressed going into it because I I knew with all the drama surrounding it, there's always in the back of your mind, like, this could really end well, like, not end well for them. Just losing your head coach in that fashion. Um, Then the suspension, the, what was it, the restraining order that occurred, like, right after the whole hoopla with that that you mentioned. Um, It was really frustrating, but to see them win, um, to see the comments on the field after of just, like, we won this for you, we were doing this for you, I kind of came around on the whole thing because I was like, uh, you know... They, you cheat at the end of the day, you cheat. Like I I said on one-on-one that I think it's really hard to kind of define what cheating is if you start like being like, oh, well, it's the game. Everybody signs steals. Everybody does this. And then you have to re-circumvent the entire standings of, okay, this person did this. Is this the same thing as this? And it's just a, a huge mess, I think, with this whole scenario. Um, but Michigan looked good, just straight up looked good. Um, it was like Jim was there the entire time, like really watching them on the field. Nothing changed for them. And I think that's what was important at the end of the day with them. Yeah, I think that was a, that was a point that was made by a lot of people after this game. I don't think they even play call differently whatsoever. I think John Harbaugh's influence was fully felt on that Saturday and impressive stuff. A lot of people kind of trying to de- delegitimize this win kind of with the um, unimaginative, unimaginative play calling of James Franklin and kind of the under underperforming in general of Penn State in big games, kind of under kind of under overwhelming in every turn when it comes to kind of legitimizing themselves in that Big Ten and in the country. But, uh, Will, what did you think about Michigan this weekend? I think they had a lot more to lose than they had to gain because if they, if they, you know, if they won like they did, I think everyone sort of in a way expected them to win, um, maybe by smaller or a smaller margin because of Jim Harbaugh's absence. But at the end of the day, they were expected to win. 
But if they lost, think about how bad that looks. It yeah. suddenly mm-hmm. becomes like, oh, you can't win without cheating. You can't win without your coach. This and that. And if they lost, they're they're falling out of the top four. So um, I wouldn't really say I was impressed, but I w- would say that it's it's something that it's something that's it's a good sign for them that they need to carry and carry on for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think Penn State had a lot of consequences coming into this game because they really could have propelled themselves into that higher echelon of college football with this game, but obviously Michigan wasn't having any of that. Their defense really stepped up on Saturday. Um, and on, on the offensive side of the ball, J.J. McCarthy didn't throw the ball much, 7 for 8 for 60 yards, but kind of did it when it mattered. Blake Corum, the real star of the show in every single aspect, um, 26 carries, 145 five yards and two touchdowns and maybe one of the images of the college football season with him getting bloody from his um what would you call that is uh oh the t-zone kind of area the, the, the tape what would you call that the, oh um, yeah i know what you're talking the eye about black it's not eye yeah. black though because he's using a sticker yeah i don't know but it was one of the images of the season and kind of kind of a good amalgamation for this kind of era that Michigan kind of football is in. Now looking toward the future, obviously they're still number three in the polls, still behind their bitter, hated rivals, Ohio State. Is that right placement for this Michigan team, or should they be higher, lower? What are your thoughts, Maddie? I don't know. I feel like there there is, like, I go back and forth with the two of them just because of how they've acted, and I think I, I think right now I'm kind of satisfied with where Michigan is um, sitting third. I don't think it's like a knock to them to sit behind Ohio State. I think they're kind of like right where they need to be. Um, I think it's just overall pretty like pretty good. I think you just add speaks to the talent of the Big Ten really overall. I think Ohio State has just looked dominant all year that it's really hard to just move them around and do that. Um, and I think now looking to the future with this with the 25th where they play Michigan and we see that, you know, big 10 game, that will be the deciding factor for me at the end of the day. But I think I'm happy where they stand right now. Yeah, I feel like the the game, as a lot of people call it, is kind of becoming an honorary college football playoff game. At least in the last three years, it's had a ton of importance. Will? I think right now, based on how the season has panned out so far, I think Michigan should be number two. I agree. But I do think that Ohio State will beat them. And I think that all the controversy and everything is going to catch up to them just enough that Ohio State is going to end up taking that uh, taking that number two spot. Um, you know, especially because I think that this week, I mean, this is the most points Michigan's allowed all season. And yes, it's like, it's the best it's 15. <laughs> it's the best team they've played so far. Um, but I mean, they allowed two touchdowns for the first time. Um, you know, it's the second straight week they allowed their highest point total of the season. So I do think that it's kind of like a trend almost. And I don't know. It just shows that to me that they're beatable. Interesting. Expand on that a little bit. I mean, I just think that it's it's almost like they they had you know their stretch where they were just dominant, and now it's just like as it seems like as the season's carrying on, you know, it's getting their their schedule's definitely getting tougher, right? It's gonna be Penn State and then Ohio State, and it's just like you know in the past couple of weeks, each progressing week, they're allowing a little bit more points. They're looking a little bit more beatable. Um, and you know, obviously now you have the controversy and I think that at the end of the day, once you meet a top four team, then it's all going to come to a head. I do think kind of when you look at the rivalry game and kind of to what Will is saying, whatever team wins probably will be the number two team going into the college football playoff, depending on who they keep number one. Um, we're going to talk about that team in a little bit, who I think is number one and got put back to number one in the polls this week. Um, but I would like to take a little hard left turn, um, literally, to the great Northwest, um, the Pac-12. 
Number five, Washington gets a big win over number 13, Utah, now number 18 in the polls after the loss. Another big challenge, another big challenge this weekend for um, the Washington Huskies against number 11, Oregon State. Um, they picked up this win against number 13, Utah, last weekend. Michael Penix, who, again, like I said for Blake Corum, is the star of the show, 24 for 42, 332 yards and three touchdowns. My kind of question coming out of this game, you know, obviously we're aware of the big Oregon win earlier in the season that was one of the best games of the season maybe two of the best teams in the country um, but another top 15 win for this Washington team are they getting a little are they getting a little underrated are they getting enough respect from around the country you know I really think they're getting kind of the respect they deserve but I think there's still a lot of problems with the Washington team that I think people like for a 10-0 and team kind of have to ignore they gave away so many points against Utah that shouldn't have happened at all. Um, they gave like ten points away, just stupid mistakes. And had trouble scoring. And later had trouble in the scoring. Yeah. So they're like second to the last in the country on penalty yards per game. They just continuously make mistakes, um, and they really capitalize, I think, on Utah's like um, injuries and the problems they're having. Um, especially with, like, the running back position, but, like, um, with Jackson, um, who was questionable, they had multiple backups that were kind of out. They really were shifting. So this was Washington's game to really kind of, like, take it. But what I saw out of, like, them being a 10-0 team compared to, like, another 10-0 team, it's just, I think, not to the same level yet. So I still think they're a little underrated in terms of, like, what their ceiling is. But I think that there's still plenty of mistakes for them to fix if they want to be as competitive as some of the other teams that and are under, undefeated. What can they do, Maddie, to kind of legitimize themselves? I just think they have to be stronger um, in terms of their offense. I, I think it's just been kind of like wishy-washy in terms of teams they've gone up against. Um, some some things are like they're just not a powerhouse, I think, in terms of that offense compared to some of these other teams. If they improve that offense, I think they're just going to be much better. Um because I think Utah kind of showed like what their potential could be, but not what they've actually achieved yet. Yeah, absolutely. And they're definitely going to get chances to legitimize themselves as the season goes on. As I said before, number 11, Oregon State matchup this weekend. And then, you know, around that Pac-12 championship time, I'm sure they'll be facing those ducks down in Oregon. But, Will, kind of what were your thoughts on this Washington team kind of in the grand scheme of the college football playoff? I think they need to be more consistent. Um, they had kind of what Maddie was saying. In a <laughs> yeah, way. no fourth quarter scoring in this game for them. They allowed 21 points in the in the second quarter. Um, and you know, going back to the respect that you're talking about before, I think they're definitely getting enough respect. I think actually, if anything, they're getting a little bit much. Um, because last week I was on uh, Gridiron with I think it was Merrick who was my co-host last week, and we thought that Washington was going to cruise to a double-digit win in this one. And in fact, they were actually very close to losing this game. Yeah. Um, they weren't perfect. They were five of fourteen on third down. So yeah. I think there's definitely a lot of things that they can they can do better and. Like Maddie said, like they're not, uh, they're not, they don't compare to another ten and O team per se because they haven't been dominant, and a lot of their wins against even unranked teams like USC and Stanford, it hasn't been you know a blowout. It's been you know ten or less points. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I feel like this team is really good. I mean, when you look at their resume compared to the rest of kind of the top of college football, I think they have one that can go up against anybody. I just think yeah, there's an obvious kind of 
inconsistency that comes with this Washington team. I do think that also comes from not really being in that mix at the top of college football for a long time and then having that 0-100 to kind of experience of now kind of being thrusted really into that top four of teams. Um, But a team that isn't getting thrusted into the top four and a team that has very much made a home in that top four over the last half half decade, the Georgia Bulldogs get a legitimate win over Old Miss number 9, 52-17. This is a butt kicking in every sense of butt kicking this was an absolute route um back-to-back major rank wins with sec with sec competition with a win over missouri last week who i think is very good i think missouri is a very good football team um these back-to-back wins i think are very impressive especially for the naysayers around the country that said that georgia hadn't played anybody and um, they didn't have any legitimate wins well they haven't lost a game in three years so i don't really know where the legitimacy needs to come from um brock bowers tight end comes back from injury in this game three receptions for 33 yards and a touchdown does this mean that George does this mean that Georgia is for real and will they start to get that respect as the numero ucho uh, numero, numero uno <laughs> numero ocho would be um, number eight numero uno in college football and the Kings I gotta say like this Ole Miss game was so horrific for them they gave up 600 yards over like it was just crazy to see because Ole Miss to me traditionally has not been like that level of bad. Their defense has always been pretty decent. Um, Georgia completely blew it out of the water and like exploited them. I will say though, with Georgia, they also have a they have a different problem than Washington, and I think that's in their defense. The Georgia defense has given up a touchdown on the opening drive across their last four games. I don't know why that has been like a slumber moment for them to start off every single game with doing that, Um, especially when you go into playing a team like Alabama who will score off the first drive most likely. You don't want to give away free points like that to them easily when you're going to play a competitive game and you're going to go forward. On the other side, though, their offense is crazy good. Um, It's just scoring on their first four possessions. So at least they're like, they have some cohesiveness where at least if their defense is not doing as hot, their offense has really been stepping up to it. Um, But, and, and the defense did pick it up in the second half of that game, but for the first half and for consistently, they just haven't done the kind of thing that I've like wanted to see, but I still think they're for real. I really think they, they have now taken that top seed title that I think they've been waiting for, for such a long time. They've been waiting for, a Clemson to fall. They've been waiting for an Alabama to fall. They've been waiting kind of for that moment. And I think they finally found it, even with the flaws that they're having, I think, on defense. Yeah, it does feel like the last two years, they've really kind of cleared out the rest of the competition and really established themselves as the best team in college football. Um, But you're right. They kind of remind me of the New Jersey Devils. They just kind (laughs) of want to outscore you in every single Mm -hmm. way. And, you know, don't get off to the hottest start. It does. I think it's a good sign when you're nitpicking that hard, where you're like, in the first drive, they don't play that good defense. It's like, well, you know, they haven't lost a game in three years and it's a bit of a you know um specific you know you always want them to improve I think with that and if you're and everyone always held Alabama to such a specific niche I think as well in terms of Mm -hmm. everything you could pick apart with Saban and everything that he was doing so I think it's good that now we're sitting here saying they suck on the opening drive that's important for them because that means they're actually doing something right and there's actually minor things to improve upon not the fact that your defense is giving up more than 50 yards in like the entire second half right. that's crazy right so they're they're really improving and I think that that speaks to just the level of their playing at right now at number one yeah they propel themselves back to number one as you just said you know this week they they really hadn't been number one for what almost two weeks yeah I mean that was it's like a tragedy down there <laughs> in Athens Georgia but will do you think that they are the best team in the country I think right now they are and I think that they they've always been for real I think that 
they have some bad games, which is not really bad by any other team's <laughs> standards. It's just bad for them. Um, I think they have kind of two different sides to their team. It's like, do you, is the really dominant team going to come out or is the sort of dominant team going to come mm-hmm. out? And then this week, obviously, the really dominant uh, team came out and it was like 311 passing yards, 300 rushing yards, averaging 10 yards per play, which is like insane. Um, I think they definitely are the, the best team in football right now. If you just compare how each team has been playing, I think um, they're, they're just – I think there's a decent gap between them, them and number two. Right. I do think when you get around SEC championship time, the Alabama loss delegitimized themselves in the eyes of a lot of college football fans with um with that loss so early in the season to Texas. But I do think when it gets down to it in that SEC championship game against Georgia, Alabama has a real chance of beating them and Saban has a real chance of beating Kirby. And I don't I don't think people are kinda I think Alabama's almost flying under the radar, which is kinda weird to say about Alabama, but they just really seem even my roommate um thinks they're the best team in the country and I don't really think that, but I can't argue with him that they're not a top four team in the country. And that'll definitely be interesting as we get toward um conference championship time uh but another kind of uh i would say scenery that's building and becoming very interesting in college football is the heisman race and is the heisman conversation obviously this week oregon gets a win over a you know self-admittedly backsliding usc team um over the weekend 23 for 31 412 yards for four touchdowns bo nix has been an absolute monster for this oregon team he jumps in front of these Heisman um, voting, uh, Heisman betting odds now at minus money to win the Heisman Trophy. Do you think he should be the front runner right now? I, I, I can't. I don't really know how to explain it. It almost leaves me speechless. I just can't see Bo Nix winning the Heisman. I don't even know if that's disrespectful or that's um, me being ignorant, but I, just, I can't see Bo Nix being that guy to hold the trophy. I just always think it's weird when you have a guy that's been in college football for so long right. that's up for this title right. and that you're like, yeah, we're going to give it to like the fifth year that's mm-hmm. going to do that. I, it almost is like weird to me. I, I can't. I also can't put my finger on it. But then you look at what he's accomplished this season, and I have to kind of tip my cap to it, and I really have to. 29-2 to touchdown interception rate is great for his career. It's like the best of his career. Yeah. Over 3,000 yards. And he's had a long career. And he's had, and he's had a, get, <laughs> yeah. don't get me yeah. wrong, a long career. Yeah. Starting at Auburn, now he's with Oregon. like And it, it's weird because you look at the trajectory of his like whole career where he like hated being at Auburn. He had like a lot of beef going on between him and the coaches. He was right. not happy. And now he's here. Um, and he just, I think, steadily kind of increased. And, and every single time he does an interview... He always talks about how he's like slightly trying to improve. He's not some guy that's like I'm gonna go out and like double my like stats or I'm gonna do like this completely different. He's like very like slow inching kind of like guy, and I think that's why he's flown under the radar for me so long, and why I also think it's weird that he would get there because he's yeah. not this standout guy to right. me on paper. He's kind of just this guy that's slowly built up over the long career he has had in college football to do what he does. But he's just to me very impressive. Like he's always he's very versatile as a quarterback he's been switching up every time he throws like there's different plays I I really liked what I've seen out of him so therefore I think I could see him walking away with it at the end of the day 
but it's weird. I agree. It just seems yeah. weird to me. And I do think something that makes it weird is this kind of shift that's now happening with the Heisman, kind of going back to how it was traditionally. Um, I do feel like for almost the last two decades, it's been, oh, who's going to be the number one pick in the draft? Let's give them the trophy. Right. You know what I mean? Or someone that's you know around that top echelon of you know NFL hopes. Um, but I do think it's kind of going back to what it was in the past, where it's just who's the best player in college football, who's playing the best. You know, Bo Nix, I don't think we'll have a ton of success in the NFL. I mean, I don't want to um, hang a negative cloud over his future, but I don't think if I had to predict that he would be necessarily a productive NFL quarterback. But when you kind of look at the numbers, it's hard to debate against him for this Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a few guys flying under the radar um, in that Heisman conversation, like Blake Corum, the running back at Michigan. I'm always in favor of the running backs getting love in that Heisman conversation. Felt similarly about Kenneth Walker a few years mm-hmm. ago at Michigan State. Um, and even I was in the J.J. McCarthy conversation as well. Obviously, throwing eight passes against Penn State probably won't help his case. Case. But kind of looking at the current modern landscape of the Heisman Trophy, um, Bo Nix being at the top, what do you think, Will, is really um, is really right around this conversation? I think statistically right now, I was looking last night, he's probably the best quarterback right now. And like you guys said, it's weird to say because it's kind of like slowly he just kind of appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's at 3,135 3, t- uh, passing yards a season, 29 touchdowns, only two picks and a 77.7 completion rate, which is pretty, pretty good, um, to say the least. And, you know, I think that, you know, slowly, like you said, he's gotten better each year since Auburn. Um, his completion percentage and his average uh, passing yards per play has gotten better each year. So um, I do think it's, like you said, it's a little bit out of nowhere. But I think that right now there's not really a heavy argument against him at the same time. So um, I do think that he could definitely walk away with the trophy. Um, it just remains to be seen if he's going to play like this the rest of the season, how, you know, college football playoffs turn out and everything. And uh, But, I mean, as of right now, if I was to be a betting man, I would probably bet on him. Yeah, and it's such a crazy wave of um of, of hype and anticipation around the Heisman Trophy. I feel like every week the dynamic of the um the race or the odds kind of changes drastically. Um, for you two guys, kind of, I want to get just one dark horse for this Heisman that could pull through and uh, pull in front of everybody toward the end, toward the stretch down the stretch of the season. You know, uh, I feel like not like super dark horse, but um. I think just look I think it's going to go to a quarterback and so therefore I'm going to choose another quarterback um and I'm going to go with um Jalen Milrow just because I think thank you Will I think like you can't deny Alabama's like while they haven't been top performing as say a Georgia has been now Alabama's still quietly good and I think he's really responsible for why they are so quietly good on offense um he's just been incredibly impressive to me like going out there every single time like and I, I, I'm just really impressed with what I've seen out of him I think like yes because Alabama is sitting at what eighth now like he's not going to get as much press and attention as somebody up in the top but I think like what he's done with Alabama has been great coming off the heels of so many elite quarterbacks that have come out of Alabama I think it's just like a, a kind of trend that we could follow there yeah I, I absolutely love that pick Will I mean, she took mine. She <laughs> yeah. see my she, facial reaction. You can you can expand. Um, I think, I mean, you you said a lot, but also just the fact that you know Alabama could come out and beat Georgia, and if if they do, I think that's that's a huge um, what would you call it, like a notch in his belt, kind of like it, it, I think it would do wonders for him in this Heisman race. Yeah. And, um, especially coming off of the, you know their recent win, 
um, you know, which he played really well as well. I think that, you know, that's just building on it. And I think that it's like a, it's like a momentum thing. I think it's mm-hmm. gonna, it's gonna keep carrying on. Um, and especially if they continue to play well the rest of the season, I think he's definitely the guy that could end up challenging Bo Nix. Um, but I will throw another name in the conversation. That's Jaden Daniels. I think he's also mm-hmm. been really good okay. for LSU. I think they're both a little bit far off, but I think, I just think Jalen Milrow has a better chance just because of where his team is at. Yeah, and I, I would like to just bring up Michael Penix one more time. Um, they have a number 11 game against Oregon State, as we said before, coming up this week. And then, I, as we also said, Pac-12 championship might be on a collision course with the Oregon Ducks. They can get both of those wins, and he plays outstandingly. I just don't know how Michael Penix doesn't receive the Heisman Trophy. Along with, I just think he's probably the best player in the country, aside from number 13 down at USC. Um, so I do think it'll be an interesting kind of dynamic. I do think this is the most candidates with legit chances to win the trophy in a really long time. Um, but now that we're kind of moving away from the Heisman conversation, I want to have a quick conversation about the college football playoff. Four teams in there right now. It's Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia. That's the um, four teams at the committee designated to be the four best teams in the country. Um, I'll start first. I want to get your guys' kind of opinions on who your top four teams are. Um, I had, think they got it relatively right. I do think that the way and point of view they're kind of looking at this from and the lens they're looking at this from is correct. Just kind of trying to legitimize teams that don't have losses and really just trying to keep teams that are perfect around that top four area. The only difference I would make is I would put Washington ahead of Florida State. I just think their resume is stronger and I just think Washington honestly is a better team than Florida State is. Um, so that would be my only kind of difference. I would have Washington and then of course the two teams, Ohio State and Michigan and then Georgia obviously as the best team in the country but what do you guys think about your uh, your uh, personal top fours I agree with that um, and I also agree with the statement about Florida State just because like the ACC we know it to not be the strongest of like divisions in college football and I would argue that yes while Florida State is undefeated I don't value their I just personally don't value their gameplay as much as like a Washington or like another team like that, even if they've had a loss or anything, or like if they were to have a loss, like anything that was to occur, I think they just play so much better. Even Oregon, I think, would play, outplay Florida State personally in my mind. Interesting. But I feel like the, the it kind of fits with what we've seen. I, I just feel like they've not had a strong schedule, and that kind of is where my like real things fall um and if they get like a really good championship game in the ACC and they really do put up numbers then I'm wrong then I'm completely wrong and then I look stupid and whatever but right now I've just I think it just comes down to their strength of schedule where it's just not been as impressive to me as some of the other teams and so that's kind of where I lie with Florida State um their former coach, Jimbo Fisher, if we could just slightly bring it up here, crashes and burns down at Texas A&M, even though, you know, it's hard to say crash and burns about a guy who's going to sit on the couch and make $75 million. Um, but obviously, you know, Florida State in a bit of a better position um, than, you know, obviously their former coach, Jimbo Fisher. But what do you think, Will, about this kind of current landscape of the college football playoff? I do want to make the point that a Clemson win in the ACC back in the day would mean a lot mm-hmm. that would, you know the obvious yeah. the um environment has definitely changed in the acc about where legitimacy and legitimate wins really comes from um but yeah will what do you think about your top four personally before i say that i just do want to ask is it possible for the loser of ohio state michigan to still be ranked in the top four 
Oh. Or do you think that's an automatic? I think we saw it last year with how good Ohio State was with CJ Stroud and, you know, obviously Maserati Marv that they lost that game against Michigan. And, like, they it just it's, – it's hard to legitimize it after that when you really kind of – as I said before, it's kind of an honorary college football playoff game. And I think that's kind of how they'll vote on it. It's really single-game elimination, and that's kind of where the college football playoff starts, at least to me. Okay, well, I'll give – because I, I don't know exactly how it's going to be by the end of the season. I yeah, do no, just predictions. right now. Where would, right you, where now, would your current top four be? I would say number one is Georgia. I think of course. Uh, we can kind of agree on that. Yeah, we concur. Number yeah. two, I would say, is Michigan. Right. Yeah. Number I three, I have Ohio State. Although, as I said earlier, I do think that's going to change um, as after the, the, the Ohio State-Michigan game. And then at number four, I do have Florida State. I know it's like kind of boring because I think that's basically what the rankings are right now. No, it, it is. Aside from Ohio State's yeah. number two. Um, and the reason why I say that is because, yes, I I acknowledge the fact that Florida State has had a very weak schedule. I don't think they've had a have they've had they haven't had a test since September third against LSU, mm-hmm. which they you know destroyed pretty handily. Um, but at the same time, they've just been dominant, and I feel like Washington, especially from from seeing this past week's game, is. Have, has has had some struggles, and then obviously going to go on and play Oregon State, which is another tough matchup. Um, you know they haven't really been too dominant in the past few weeks since September twenty third against Cal. So um, I just think that that you know it, it, I might be wrong. You know it might be that if Florida State played some more of these tough teams, that they wouldn't be so dominant. But I just think that they're so dominant that I value that a little bit more than Washington's strength of schedule, just because of the fact that they haven't been able to beat these teams so handily. So I would put Florida State at number four right now. It's interesting, Will. You keep saying that Michigan is ahead of Ohio State, but you think Ohio State's better. <laughs> I think I think eventually Ohio State will come out on top. I think right now, so far in the season, Michigan has been better. But I think that coming down the stretch, they're going to fall a little bit, and that's going to be the thing that tips the scale. Right. Both teams are super talented. I really do think when I look at Michigan, though, it just looks like one of the more complete college football teams I've ever seen. Seemingly no weaknesses and seeming to have strengths at every kind of position. Um, But it it will be interesting because I do think, you know, obviously growing up, I felt like Ohio State uh, just dominated Michigan. Like, I don't remember Michigan ever winning a game against Ohio State growing up. But now it seems like the complete opposite direction does seem like Michigan just straight up has their number. Does that kind of can you attribute that to the cheating or do you think it is kind of legitimate reasons (laughs) no I think it's pretty legitimate reasons I I think that like the cheating scandal in its own is very like minimal to their success I I just think they've just had their run of the luck like it really is to me like a luck-based thing with these teams you just click at certain points they found their stride and they click against Ohio State now there's been years where they haven't clicked and that's okay this year now in this run they've been having, Michigan just looks better. And I think that just – it kind of just speaks to coaching. And, it you know, I think it's outside of whatever is going on with them personally. Yeah, and, you know, we haven't even acknowledged the kind of turmoil that's happening at Michigan. Will they even be in the Big Ten next year? You know, they might just leave. Harbaugh might just take his ball and go home. We all don't know. A lot of uncertainty around college football in general on the field and off the field. I'm excited to see how it all unwinds, how it all untwines. Um, But that's it for us here for College Gridiron. I'm Chris Carino, joined by Maddie Bamante, Will Jing, and Tucker Austin on on production. Our sports director is Bobby Cafferdini. And, yeah, everybody, have a good rest of your week. Your week.